Hello and welcome back to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 46. I'm your host, Sakatan. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. Before we get into the big interview with Tom Marshall, we have to talk about the amazing soccer-themed clothing brand named Ambitious Strike. If you want to check out Ambitious Strike's merchandise, then go to ambitiousstrike.com. If you want to get a 15% off discount on your entire purchase from the website, enter the code BROTHERS at checkout. All right, without further ado, we present to you Tom Marshall. We'd like to welcome our guest, Tom Marshall, onto the podcast. Tom is an English-language journalist and writer for ESPN, where he covers the Mexico na- Mexican national team and Liga MX. He also writes for Goal USA and is a host on the Mexican Soccer Show podcast. How are you doing, Tom? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks very much for the, for the invite to come on. Thank you for being on, Tom. All right, why don't we get right into it. You were at uh, the Mexican national team training today. What is the morale of this team going into the tournament, uh, and how do they look? Yeah, I think the morale is really good. I mean, I think the results have been good, and obviously for any team that really helps. I mean, you know, Juan Carlos Osorio has been in charge six games. Mexico have won all six, and they've, and they've not even conceded a, game, a goal, sorry. So, yeah, I think confidence is high going into the Copa America. I'd say that, you know, the training session, especially yesterday, was, was extremely intense. I think the players look up for it. They, they, they look like they want to achieve something with this national team. And, uh, you know, and today... You know, it's, it's the day before the game, so it's not quite as intense, but, you know, you can see a few things from the training. It looks like Mexico are going to play at 4-3-3 um, tomorrow against against Chile. So, so, yeah, I'd say, in general, you're looking at this Mexican national team right now, and you'd say things are, are looking really positive. Yeah, in in Juan Carlos Osorio's last six games, or, or his first six games, under the reins of the Mexican national team, he's won all six and hasn't conceded a goal yet. What has made... How have his tactics made this team successful? Yeah, I think that... I mean, obviously, if there's a criticism... Well, not a criticism, but if there's there's a, a kind of question mark, it's been that the, the quality of the opposition hasn't been great. Um, because, obviously, played Mexico played Canada twice. They played... a. You know, a B or C Senegal team, uh, Honduras, El Salvador, um, and that, the other one slips my mind. But and, and sorry, and Paraguay the other day. So, so I think there's still a question mark. What's it going to look like when Mexico come and get, come up against a Chile or a Uruguay like they will over the next couple of games? But I think what he's done is, um, I think tactically, he, he's played. You know, out of the six games, I think it started with four different formations, and I think that, I think that. Mexico needed a manager like that who's going to going to shift things up. He's going to get the players to think for themselves. To to um, depending on what the opposition brings. So yeah, I think that is, um, and, and, and I think he's, he's the players have taken to him now. Um, I think they like him. I think there was a bit of skepticism when he first came in because he wasn't a massive name. But I think bit by bit he's winning them round. Um, but I think apart from Osorio, it's, it's also the players. I think the players are a very united group. And I think they've been that way now for, for quite a while, regardless of the manager. So I think there's a hardcore group. You know, we're talking Chicharito, Hector Moreno, Hector Herrera, um, Layun, um, who else? Yeah, yeah. Chicharito, did I mention that? And, and it's that those guys that are kind of the moral leaders of this team and that really want to achieve something. So I, th- I think that they have had a really, really big role as well. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that they've played four different formations in the six matches he's been in charge. Uh, they used the th- three center backs in their, in their last friendly against Paraguay. Um, and you were saying they're probably going to play in a 4-3-3 tomorrow. Um, do you think they'll stick with a consistent formation throughout the tournament, or will he continue to, do you think Osorio will continue to shift around? 
I think there's no doubt. I mean, there was a press conference here today, and Osorio was very. He was like, "It's very difficult for me to have a fixed starting eleven because <laughs> because I react to kind of the. You know, it depends on who we're playing. I mean, you know, I think. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about it. We'll see a different formation depending on the opposition. I think if he was to pick one formation, it'd be the four-three-three. But it depends on it depends on what the opposition doing, whether they play two strikers or one striker. I think that'll depend on whether he plays three centre backs or, or two centre backs. If there's a, only a lone striker, the opposition, then he'll play two centre backs. And if there's obviously a two, then he'll play. He'll go with the three. So, so yeah. Um, but I think the other thing to point out is that, and I think Osorio stressed this as well, is that yeah, okay, the tactical formations and, and the way the teams line up is different, but the idea stays the same. And so the idea, the, the, the way that Osorio wants to see the Mexico team play, it's not radically different than Miguel Herrera. It's not radically different than, you know, La Volpe. Mm. It's, it's to, to have the ball, to kind of play very vertically, get the ball forward fast, quickly. Obviously along the ground, no, no long balls <laughs> or anything. But, you know, and, and overload the opposition in terms of throwing people forward. I think it's a, a really attacking way of looking at the game. It's a risky way as well. And, you know, I honestly think that that's why... This Mexico team under Osorio is going to be is going to be one to watch at this this Copa America. And how much of uh, playing three center backs? How much does it have to do with whether Rafa Marquez plays? And do you think he still has something to offer in this tournament? And is he good enough to be in the starting lineup? It's it's really difficult with Marquez because you know if you if you look at his games with Atlas this past se- the Calzona the, the past, this past season in Mexico. Um, it's, it's not been good enough. I mean, if you came down from Mars and said, right, you know, pick a Mexico national team based on what, you know, all Mexican players have done in 2016, I don't think there's any way you'd pick Rafa Marquez. I mean, just, he just hasn't done enough for his club. But then, you know, you look at how he played against Paraguay in, the, in that friendly last Saturday in Atlanta, and, you know, he's still got it. He's still got that passing range. I thought he defended well. Um, and, yeah, I, I think the thing with, with, with Marquez as well, the way the team wants to play i.e., you know, passing it out from the back, playing out from the back, there's probably still nobody better than Rafa Marquez. Um, and, you know, he's 37 now, but you, you never lose that kind of vision and, and the way of controlling the game from the back. The, 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 I think the question mark is more defensively. Obviously, if they're going against a, a team with quick strikers, then Rafa Marquez won't, won't get near him. I think that's the, that's the, that's the dilemma with, with Marquez. Yeah, it's definitely impressive what he's been able to do uh, over the course of his career as his age has increased. But um, uh, against in the Paraguay friendly, you wrote that Jesus Molina was the key to, uh, was one of the keys to Mexico keeping a clean sheet. If you think that if, if Mexico were to play a 5-3-2 like we've seen Osorio play, um, do you think that he is a possibility next to Guardado, Guardado keeping in mind the abilities of Hector Herrera? Uh, I don't think so. No, I think, I think those... Those three could play because I think if you play like a three-man midfield, I think Mexico would play with with just one holding mid. Okay. So I think Molina would be the holding midfielder, and then Guardado and Herrera would be kind of you know in front, kind of more attacking and obviously giving more liberty to to, to join the attack. So yeah, but I think Molina is a player who he's kind of gone under the radar. I think a lot of people wanted to see Jonathan dos Santos. Uh, mm-hmm. given that place but Molina's physically bigger I think he brings something you know kind of defending set pieces and stuff like that and I think that's important for Osorio I think that kind of he doesn't want to get caught he doesn't want to play a beautiful game 
you know, and, and then get caught out because the other team's got a lot of tall, physically big players. So I think he wants to kind of counter that as well. And that's why I think, anyway, part of the reason, at least, why Molina's in there. Yeah, you just mentioned uh, um, Jonathan Dos Santos being left off the roster, and he's one of a few big names being left off, including Carlos Vela, Giovanni Dos Santos, uh, Marco Fabian, among others. Uh, what, what does that mean for the national team? Um, and, you know, especially with someone like Jonathan Dos Santos, who's been playing consistently for a team like Villarreal, uh, do you think that was the right decision? And how, how have Mexico fans and the media reacted to that? Yeah, I think, I think as soon as the news came out, it was a massive deal. I mean, you know, Giovanni is one of the most recognised faces probably in all of Mexico. <laughs> I mean, it really is. That's, that's, the, that's how massive Giovanni Dos Santos is. Um, so there was a big reaction, and, and I think that, you know, that fell to a degree as well. Um, and, and then obviously Jonathan, Jonathan Dos Santos as well. But I think that, I don't know, I think there's some obviously question marks about discipline and their attitude more than anything. With, with those players and I think that also again Osorio is a bit different in that I think he really focuses on that kind of thing um, you know Giovanni you could, you could make the argument that because he's in MLS because he's made that move from Spain to MLS and you know the season started later and I know he's started to play well now but it took him a few games to, to get going you could make the argument that there are other players in Mexico that have done more I'm not saying that I, I necessarily agree with that but you could make that argument you could also make the, the argument that Vela you know, he's, he's lacked discipline. I mean, he went to, a, I think, a Chris Brown concert the day before he was supposed to be in the training. And, you know, he's not had a good season at Real Sociedad. He's not scored many goals. He's not made many assists. He's supposed to be the, the main man for, for Real Sociedad, and he's simply not done it. So you could make the argument from the from the playing side for those two. Um, but with Jonathan Dos Santos, I struggle. I struggle to make the argument of, you know, why he shouldn't be in on the field. I know he, he had an injury later in, in the season, he didn't quite get back his form. But, you know, he's playing for a team in Villarreal who they've just got in the Champions League and he's, and he's been a regular starter for that side. So it's difficult to, to kind of comprehend why Osorio would leave someone like that out. Yeah, I mean, that's that was the biggest one for me. Obviously, uh, there was the whole drama of Giovanni Dos Santos turning down the national team call. Do you have any insight on to why he did that? Um and is it similar to the Carlos Vela situation uh, before the World Cup in 2014? It, it does have some similarities in that we don't know. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we don't know, and I mean, I don't know. I, I just wish that these, you know, they come out and, and say what it is. I mean, I think it's up to Giovanni to say what his problem is more than the national team. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's such a... You know, to get called up for your national team, it's just such a massive thing, and... You know, you're playing this tournament where I, I think, you know, Mexico have got a really good chance of, of going very far. And so I struggle to, to, to understand the reasons. I mean, things didn't go very well in the um, in the Gold Cup for Giovanni. Because after, you know, Miguel Herrera punched one of the Mexican uh, TV commentators, Giovanni kind of tweeted his support. Um, and, you know, that didn't go down well, very, it didn't go down very well at all. So... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's a difficult one. Yeah, um, definitely. I, and going back to Mexico in this tournament, uh, they have three goalkeepers that could really start. Uh, Guillermo Ochoa, um, Jesus Corona, and Alfredo Talavera. Uh, Ochoa hasn't done much for Malaga, his team recently. 
Um, whereas the other two have come off pretty good seasons in Mexico. Who, who do you think gets the nod in the tournament? Uh, Ochoa started against Paraguay. Do you think that means anything, or is, are they all going to get a chance, do you think? I, th- I think because I don't think Osorio's kind of played a full game for Osorio. I think that that's why he got the full game against Paraguay. Okay. I think more than anything, Osorio just wanted to, to, to see him and see him how he react the relationship between him and the, the other defenders. Um, honestly, it's really difficult to to kind of um, you know to, to kind of guess which way Osorio is going to go with his goalkeeper. Um, you know, if I was pushed, I'd say just about Talavera would get it still. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Ochoa finished the season okay. He, he had a decent last run of a few games with uh, with Malaga. Um, but the other thing is, it wouldn't surprise me if. You know, it's one goalkeeper for the Uruguay game and then another goalkeeper for the Jamaica game. I mean, I, I just think Osorio's completely willing to make those those changes. I don't think he's scared of... I, I don't think he's going to say, you're the number one keeper, whatever happens, you're going to play. I think he's going to... He could poss- quite possibly mix it up. Okay. Uh, who, who do you think... Which one of those three do you think puts Mexico in the best position to win? <laughs> I mean, I'd, honestly, I, honestly, I'm a big fan of Talavera. Um, I think Talavera's, what, 33 now? So he's going to be, what, he's going to be 35 at the next World Cup. And I think when you consider what Ochoa did in the last World Cup, I'd personally go with Ochoa. I think Ochoa is obviously, he's going to come into the next World Cup absolutely in his prime. Um, he's already, you know, he's got kind of a bit of an aura about him in terms of, you know, the heroics against Brazil and, and what he achieved and he made headlines over the world. So I'd, I'd go with Ochoa for, for, for that kind of, psychological factor even. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Andres Guardado has been excellent for the national team lately. What has been the key to his success as of late? I, th- I think it's just a level of maturity. Um, probably, you know, on and off the field. I mean, he's, he's become a dad in the last couple of years. I think he's found a really great team in PSV that have made him a central part of, of, of their, you know, whole way of playing. So, and I think he's just reveled in it. He's one of the players who's been given responsibility, and he's not scared, and he actually thrives in, under it. So, yeah, I think that's that's the reason for Guardado. He's always been a very, very good player. I mean, he he started against Argent, uh, for Mexico against Argentina in the 2006 World Cup. So, he's got a lot of experience now under his belt. Um, and yeah, Guardado is absolute in the prime of his career now, and uh, you know Mexico are reaping the rewards over the last uh, what. Basically, since the last World Cup, Guardado's been Mexico's best player. Yeah. Um, It's interesting that he sort of moved to this more central position later in his career. We didn't really see that early on. He was more of a winger, wasn't he? No, yeah, definitely. He started out when he was a a flying winger with skills and kind of he beat the fullback and stuff. And obviously now he's uh, very much... I mean, he's still got... Like, he's not kind of old or anything. He's still got that drive... But yeah, I think I think his best position me right now is kind of if you've got a midfield three with two more attacking players, I think it's sort of on the left of those that kind of triangle. Um, but it can also play that holding role. Um, so yeah, I, I think eventually he'll play the holding role. I think in a couple of years' time, that's where we're going to see uh, Guardado uh, end his career. Okay, so uh, with the Copa America coming up, what? Is a realistic goal for Mexico, and what what are the expectations for them uh, in the country? Yeah, I think the I think the, a realistic goal is to win it. I mean, you know, I don't see. I think Mex, I think Argentina you put as favourite. I think the I think the 
I think most people would agree that the, they've just got that extra bit of quality, and especially if Messi's, you know, hits any form, then then he's difficult to stop on his day, like, like everybody knows. But, um, but then after that, you look at Brazil without Neymar, you look at Uruguay, who I, I think are going to, if they get Suarez back anytime soon, they're going to be extremely strong. You know, you look at Chile, who have kind of dipped a little bit um, since Pizzi, Pizzi took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even teams like Ecuador, the States, you know, there's a lot of teams that will think they've got a decent chance, and I'd have put Mexico right up there. I think, you know, you've got, you got like I said, Argentina up there, and then you've got the next group, which I'd say, you know, Chile, Brazil, and, you know, why not Mexico? Mm-hmm. You know, Mexico and Uruguay, that, those four, kind of, I'd put Mexico in the, in the top five for, for favours for winning the tournament. At the end of the day, you know, Mexico played on Saturday in front of 63,000 in Atlanta with a weakened squad in a friendly. And then, you know, tomorrow in San Diego on Wednesday, it's going to be almost 70,000. <laughs> and and, and all, the way we're going to, all the way through this tournament, we're going to see Mexico sell out stadium and sell out huge American football stadium. And Mexico is the home team, so that has to give a, an extra couple of kind of percentage points to the, the idea that Mexico can't win this. Yeah. Who do you think can be a breakout player for Mexico and can really cement themselves as um, a player who's going to be key to uh, the World Cup qualifiers and the World Cup in this cycle? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of Mexico's best young players um, have, have missed out on this squad because a lot of them are going to be at the Olympics. Um, but we've got Tecatito Corona, who's, who's eligible for the Olympics, and we've got Eving Lozano. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lozano's already played a few games for the national team, but, you know, he, he's one of the most talented young players in Mexico. He's only 20 years old. He's just won the league title with Pachuca. So I expect him to be, um, you know, full of confidence, and, and he, he's a player who could, could do something really special. And I think most people know about Tecatito Corona. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's got all the potential to be Mexico's, you know, next star in terms of his trick. He does, he does tricks. He scores goals. He's, he's exciting to watch, and you know, he's the type of player that, that you actually, you know, you wanna you wanna see play. <laughs> you wanna pay pay money for your ticket to go and see someone like Tecatito. So, what is the key for Mexico's success in this tournament for a deep run in, in this tournament? I think, I think, firstly, I mean. Um, they have to, it'd be good to avoid Argentina in the quarterfinal <laughs> <laughs> because uh, yeah. because if you look at the the group that the, the Mexico will will go through to play if they do qualify from the group it's gonna it's it's basically it looks like being Argentina or Chile and you think against Chile I think you'd fancy Mexico you think they've got a very good chance of getting through no nothing against obviously Chile are also a strong side. Yeah. Um, but then, if you if you look at you know the quarterfinals against Argentina, then you start to think right, you wouldn't put Mexico favourites for that game. So if they can avoid that, and then all of a sudden they get to the semi-finals, then there's no reason why Mexico can 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 defeat any other side in this tournament on the day, obviously. But but I do I do think the, avoid Argentina in the quarterfinals, and then and then from there, um, and obviously I think maintaining the team spirit making sure there's no scandals because, you know, scandals and stuff like that just seem to follow Mexico around sometimes. So, um, yeah, keeping the feet on the ground and, and obviously, you know, listening to what Osorio was saying in terms of tactics and, and how, to, how, to go, how to go about defeating other teams. When, when looking at this team, do you see uh, a, 
a weakness, a blatant weakness um, that maybe other teams can exploit? Or do you think uh, Osorio has everything locked up pretty much? No, I think the, the like you know, like I mentioned before, I think we've not seen this team go up against a, a, a side that's going to kind of take the game to Mexico, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, I think all the games under Osorio, the other team have been quite defensive. So we've not seen a team really have a go and really attack um, Mexico. So that's, that's going to be a big question mark. And, and, you know, I think we'll see that against Chile on Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that. I think defensively, obviously, you know, Rafa Marquez, other teams I think are going to look to expose him. And obviously the Mexico system is, is risky. So you've got the fullbacks pushing really high up. If, if another team wants to take a risk and kind of also push the wingers really high up, then... They, they might well be able to get in behind there. So, yeah, well, those are those are the kind of the uh, the weaknesses. Maybe through the centre as well. I mean, Mexico's game is very much going to be get the ball wide and use go down the wings. So maybe you know down the centre they might be exposed on the transition and the uh, you know when they when they do lose the ball. Yeah, we'll definitely learn something new uh, about Mexico through the Chile game. Uh, Mexico opens up their Copa America campaign on Sunday, June 5th with Uruguay as their opposition. Obviously, the big question mark right now for Uruguay is Suarez. Do you think that uh, Mexico's game plan under Os- Osorio will change um, if Suarez is healthy or not ahead of the match? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that, obviously, unless Uruguay show anything um, in, in, the, you know, in the next few days about... Um, you know about whether that's going to affect their lineup, and their, their their formation. If it doesn't affect their formation, then I think it's going to be a four four two. And I think uh, what's he called, uh, Rigo Roland, who, who plays in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he's playing he's playing in uh, in Bordeaux at the minute. So yeah, I think that if they play the same formation, then I think Mexico are going to play three at the back against okay. Uruguay. I think that's going to be the what what Sorio does. Um, but obviously. Not having somebody like Suarez who can absolutely do so much damage if you give him just a split second to, to work in, you know, it's, it's got to be positive for Mexico. I'm, I'm personally disappointed because, you know, I think Mexico need these big tests because at the end of the day, the, the greater goal has to be to, to do something really good at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, I'm personally disappointed that, that Mexico probably, you never rule anything out with Suarez, but he'll probably not be uh, facing Suarez. Right. Um, all right, so if we could ask you, what is your prediction for Mexico in this tournament? Where do you see them? How do you see them faring? Where do you see them finishing? Uh, um, I'm going to say... It's a difficult one. Yeah. I'm going to say... It's a difficult one just because if they play Argentina <laughs> in the quarters, you'd have to say the quarters. I mean, I can't... I couldn't pick Mexico to defeat Argentina, if you know right, what I mean. Right, right. Um, but, but yeah, I'd say let's go. Let's go semi-final, and I don't know though. I, I mean, the final is. I, I can see Mexico reaching the final. I mean, I don't. I don't see any reason why not. If they, I mean, at the end of the day, this tournament as well. There's only, you know, you get out of the group stage, which you expect Mexico do, to do, and then there's only three games to become champion. Right. Um, and there's no extra time either, <laughs> so you level after ninety minutes. It's straight to penalties. Right. I mean, that's just, so yeah. All right, I'll I'll, I'll say the final. Then. I'll, I'll say the final for Mexico. Okay, so the final, unless they play Argentina in the quarters. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. If we could uh, switch to the U.S. national team quickly, uh, how have 
Edgar Castillo and Michael Orozco played this season. Those are the two players from Liga Amekis on uh, the U.S. squad. Um, and are, do you think their inclusions are justified? I think uh, Edgar Castillo has had a good season, right. um, but but the I mean, but in the in the league ranks final against Pachuca, he was actually at fault defensively for the winning goal <laughs> right. in the last minute. So, that, I mean, that, that kind of ruined his season. Um, but aside from that, I mean, he's won two Liga MX titles. He's playing for one of Mexico's biggest clubs in Monterrey. Um, so he's a very good player, Castillo. He's just, I don't know. I mean, I mean, the question is then, is he what the US want from a left-back? And I think that depends on how you want to play as well. Um, so, yeah. And then with Orozco, he's had a really bad season. I mean, he's not been playing at Tijuana. Miguel Herrera hasn't. He just hasn't taken to him. He's just not wanted to include him. Sometimes even in the squad. I mean, he's, he's, he's missed the squad on some occasions. So it is difficult to um, to see why Orozco's in on the basis of what he's done this season. Although, I don't know, I thought, I thought it was unlucky not to be included because Tijuana weren't exactly playing very well. Um, but I think the, the other ones that I was surprised about was Omar Gonzalez, who's just right. won the league title. You know, he's had a great season. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. He seemed really happy. He seemed like he was pretty excited about, you know, joining up with the U.S. squad. Um, and then William Yarbrough. I mean, you know, Klinsman brought Yarbrough in um, to have a look at him to see how he was doing. And Yarbrough's had a great season. He's absolutely back to his best. Um, and obviously with more experience now under his belt. So for him now not to be in that, in that U.S. squad where he was when he wasn't playing so well... It's obviously it's a difficult one to understand. Yeah, um, yeah Yarbrough has played really well. Uh, it's interesting because Klinsman chose Ethan Horvath, who's the young keeper who's playing in Norway, um, over Yarbrough. But uh, the other one that you know I was disappointed not to see get called up before this. It was obviously a long shot to get called up for the tournament. He wasn't even on the 40-man roster. It was Jorge Villafania. Uh, how has he j- adjusted to Liga MX and um, how has he played so far? Yeah, he's, he's been he's, he's had a, a really good season. You know, he's kept one of the Mexico's best left backs, uh, Adrian Aldrete, on the bench at Santos Laguna, uh, which was a surprise. I mean, I'll be honest, it was a, it was a real surprise that that Villafania got the start for Santos, and, and and he's kept it. You know, I think he's had a, a really solid first season in Mexico. He's shown a lot of fight. I think he's quite a defensive-minded fullback. Um, so again, it depends what you what you're looking at from your fullbacks, obviously, but, yeah, uh, he's had a really, really good season. Okay, uh, final question. Um, you know, Liga Mekis, the teams have made some huge signings, uh, especially uh, Andre Pierre Gignac is probably the biggest signing. Uh, what have these signings done for uh, the perception of the league abroad, and do these types of signings help the national team? And, wh- and why don't you talk about also with that, I know this is uh, multiple questions, the new uh, foreign national rule. Uh, for uh, Liga Mekis. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Jim Yak has said a lot of positive things about Mexico. Obviously, it's got to be, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be good. Um, and, and, and obviously, he's a France international. And then, you know, you look at Tigres and there's a couple of players now in the Argentine, Argentina squad for the mm-hmm. Copa. Obviously, massive as well. And then Colombia, you've got a few, a few starting players for the Colombia national team. So, you know, I'd say all that's great. I'd say... The Alan Pulido, the kidnapping story, right. you know, sets Mexico back a long way. I mean, no, no player in the right mind will, will from, for example, from Europe or from the States, 
they'll, they'll definitely think twice about going to Mexico um, after hearing about the, the Polito case. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the fact that he was in the state, Tamaulipas, that, you know, has suffered horrendously from, from narco violence recently. I mean, they, that, it won't be put in that context. And, you know, it, it's difficult to believe him either. So I, I'd say, yeah, really great that Jim Yak's there and stuff, but I think that it's, it's by far outweighed. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's pretty sad by by what's happened with Polito. Um, and yeah, with the youngsters rule, I don't know. I mean, it's it's, um, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult one. I mean, the the so so out of the eighteen player squad, they're going to have eight players who were born in Mexico. So they're actually distinguishing between people who were born in Mexico and those who became Mexican citizens afterwards. Um, which to me, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I just don't like that on a, a kind of moral basis. I think that if you're a citizen of a place, you should have equal access to, to work. Hello and welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Tom Marshall. We will leave a link to his social media and a link to his ESPN FC blog in the description. Uh, make sure to go check it out. I also do want to apologize for the ending there. Uh, part of the interview did get cut off. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, Tom goes on to talk about the 10-8 rule, the new 10-8 rule in Liga MX. If you want to get more information on that, I will also leave a link to his story specifically on that so you can go there and see his analysis. We once again want to thank him for being on the podcast. He had a lot of great insight. He's an expert on the Mexican national team on Liga MX, and he provided a lot of information that we couldn't have otherwise. Uh, yeah. And also, I just wanted to apologize. I'm a little bit, I was a little bit sick during the recording of this interview. Uh, I just sounded a little bit off and I made some mistakes. Uh, but it's really uh, more important about what Tom Marshall had to say and his insight, uh, which I thought was really good. Yeah. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Saha was feeling a little bit under the weather. Um, but you know, overall, I thought, you know, you, you did still a good job. Um, we tend to be a little bit hard on ourselves. Uh, that being said, why don't we talk about the Mexican national team? What are your expectations uh, personally, for this team in the tournament? Well, I think Tom brought up a great point when we can't really make a lot of generalizations about the team through these six matches where they haven't played much competitive competition. But, um, you know, tonight we're going to see the Chile game, and that's going to tell us a lot. I don't know if I don't know if the listeners are going to hear this before, you know, yeah. that game happens. But um, overall, I do think that Mexico are the maybe in the top five most talented teams there there is. It's, it's a matter of... Can they find an identity? Can they find a formation that really works? And can every player know their role, I think? Um, yeah. Yeah, and for me, it's how they respond without the likes of Giovanni Dos Santos, uh, Carlos Vela, Jonathan Dos Santos, more importantly, and and how they play in, in these matches. Not a super difficult group for them. They do have uh, Uruguay, but they also have Jamaica and Venezuela. You know, Jamaica's a decent team. They have stars like Wes Morgan, uh, Venezuela not so great. So they really should be getting out of this group, and I think they're going to top the group. I think they're going to top the group and actually advance the finals. And it would be amazing if we could see a USA-Mexico final in the Copa America. Don't know if that's going to happen. I think Argentina-Mexico will be the final, and uh, I think Argentina comes out on top there, though. You don't think that Mexico can top... You don't think that Uruguay is going to win the group? I don't think so. I mean, what... What has Uruguay done that would make you think that? You know, especially with Luis Suarez injured. This is a this is a team that uh, did make it out of the group um, in, in the World Cup, but they finished below Costa Rica. Uh, so you know they didn't. 
have a great World Cup. And especially if Luis Suarez is not there, I don't really expect them to beat Mexico. I think maybe they get a draw uh, against Mexico. I think Mexico should be the favorite in that match, to be honest. Uh, you know, Mexico is a very, very talented team. They're an organized team. They know what they're doing. Um, they, they, as Tom said, they're buying into what Osorio has to say. And, you know, I, I, I truly believe that this is a top 10 or 12 team in the world right now. And Mexico has to really seize this opportunity with the players they have and do well. Since the 2010, 2012 Olympics, excuse me, they won a gold cup. But you'd have to say that World Cup maybe was a little bit disappointing, uh, you know, according to Mexico fans, although there was the whole no era penal. Um, I don't think it was disappointing. I think it was. I don't think the round of 16 is acceptable. I, I think they played They played the best out of any team in that group, including Brazil. I, okay. I, they, they had a lot of calls against them besides just the no era penal. Yeah, I agree. I, but I'm talking about purely based on how far they got into the tournament. I don't, I think quarterfinals was Fine. the goal. Yeah. So, but I don't think you can say that they should be ashamed of the, of the performance of the World Cup. <laughs> when did I say that? You just said it was dis- it's been it's, disappointing. I think it is disappointing. For, for it is disappointing. What is you disappointing? know, they, 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 didn't, they did not play well um, since the 2012 Olympics. They did not play well in 2013 in qualifying. They had to go into the playoff. Okay. They had a good I can, World Cup. I can agree with that. They had a good World Cup, uh, maybe. Um, they didn't have a very good Gold Cup. You know, fortunately for them, the U.S. sucked. Uh, they got help from the referee against Panama. Uh, their coach punched a pl- punched someone, and then he got fired. Now, now here we are. Um, so, I mean, it's a big summer for Mexico. They're probably going to be going for another gold medal in Rio. Uh, they're going to be going for the title in the Copa America. I think for them, the absolute minimum has to be the semifinal. Uh, as Tom said, it's understandable if they finish second in the group and have to play Argentina. Uh, in the quarterfinals, then maybe they get a pass. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm expecting big things from this team. I think Andres Guardado may, could, is a good shout for, the, for uh, the golden ball of this tournament, the golden ball winner. I think he'd be the best player in the tournament. That's definitely possible. Um, yeah, well, uh, sorry, can we go back to what we were talking about before? Yeah. So, I mean, I know that Mexico was disappointing in the qualifying for the 2014 World Cup, and they had to play the Inter-Confederation playoff. Yeah. But did you actually think that that was going to affect how they played when it came to the World no, Cup? No, I mean, Mexico was always good at the no, World Cup. No, absolutely not. not always. But, but my point was, after the 2012 Olympics, the fans, the media, and even U.S. fans thought that this team... The, remember, we were talking about how big the gap is between the USA and Mexico. How do we close it? Mm-hmm. I mean, the gap is really not that big, and we we sort of figured that out over the past four years. And we, time and time again, we see their success in youth tournaments has not translated to the senior level, and that's what's been disappointing. You know, this could be a different tournament. They have players like Irving Lozano, Jurgen Dam. You know, these guys who are exciting players, and the likes of Carlos Vela and Giovanni Dos Santos, some of the old guard, won't be in the tournament anymore. I don't want to call them old because they're not. They're still young players, and they probably will be at the 2018 World Cup. But my point is, the expectations for this Mexico team were much higher going into 2013. Maybe not going into 2014 because of the failure in, in World Cup qualification, but I still think Mexico fans had to be disappointed with that. That's, that's my point. Yeah, I can agree with that. All right, that concludes this episode of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. We hope you enjoyed episode number 46. But before we go, let's talk about the amazing soccer-themed clothing brand named Ambitious Strike. 
Yeah, Ambitious Strike is a wonderful company. You can check out their website. That's ambitiousstrike.com. Make sure to use the code BROTHERS at checkout for a 15% off discount. The link to the website will be in the description along with all the information about Tom Marshall. Yes, we'll see you guys on episode 47 where we preview the Copa America. See you then.